Over the last two decades, I've been on a quest to learn everything I can about leadership, obsessed with what makes the best leaders so good. After running companies small and large for the last 20 years, today I speak on stages all across the world to audiences who are interested in that same question. My name's John Laredo, and I'm your host. I invite you to join me on this journey as we explore this topic. What makes the best leaders so good? Welcome to Tomorrow's Leader. All right, welcome to today's episode of Tomorrow's Leader, where we dive deep on all kinds of leadership topics, what's relevant today, and more importantly, what's relevant to tomorrow, to being a top-level 1% leader in tomorrow's world. What are the things that you need to do today? Today, we're going to explore one of my favorite topics, which is the topic of confidence. I get a lot of questions about confidence. Um, we're going to explore a whole bunch of stuff today in particular, and let's start with the, the basic question that I get a lot of times, which is, Okay, well, how important is confidence in being a top-level leader and influencing change and leading organizations and groups? Well, it's essential, not just important, but it's absolutely essential. And not just in leadership, but if you think about it, I mean, confidence is essential in life. That's what drives us to grow as human beings, and growth comes from doing things that we haven't necessarily done before. So if we think about it, confidence is absolutely an essential ingredient to growth overall, not only as an individual, but overall as an organization. So yes, it's an essential ingredient. Now, some people, and you've seen that, that they just have natural levels of high confidence, and other people suffer. Other people have started with low levels of confidence and have over time gained more general confidence. We're going to talk a little bit about some things that you can do as a leader to get great at bringing out high confidence levels in yourself, but also other people. I used to think that if I could invent this confidence pill, um, where if you took it, then, then you'd have this magical level of confidence, that would be the best thing in the world. Because if you think about that, when you're leading an organization, I've led many different organizations, small and large, that um, you're trying to get people to step outside their comfort zones. And the things that prevent people from doing it are really the fears that they've built up in their head, right? But you know that if you can ultimately get people to step outside their comfort zone, and this goes for you as well, that ultimately you are yet comfort zone is going to expand and what makes you nervous now or uncomfortable probably didn't years ago and what will make you nervous and and uh and scared in a year are not necessarily things that do now so that's all all part of growth so this magical confidence pill would be an unbelievably phenomenal thing because i give it to everybody in my organization and we'd you know grow to uh to 10 times what we are today and in, in the in the next year Unfortunately, that doesn't exist, right? So we have to figure out ways as leaders, not only to bring out our own confidence level and, and ensure that we have high levels of confidence, but how do we bring it out on other people that we uh, lead? And I'm gonna talk a little bit about that because if you think about what this does, ultimately, confidence and fear exist in, in, in the same place and they can't occupy the same space. If, I, if I'm fearful of something, then it's very hard. It's the, it prevents me from being confident at that certain task. And the fear may be physical. It may be, hey, if I, if I try skiing down this expert diamond hill, um, I don't have a lot of confidence because I'm fearful that if I try this, I'm going to fall and I'm going to hurt myself or even worse, kill myself. Well, that's a physical fear. 
And unless I can somehow overcome that, well, there's not going to be room for much confidence, right? So they, it's important. I understand they occupy the same space. The other type of fear that I may face is more of a mental fear. So it might be, hey, if I got up and I did this presentation in front of the group, it may not go well. It may be embarrassing. I may put, put myself in a humiliating situation. If I took on this new role and I ultimately failed as a leader in this role and I wasn't prepared for it, then it would maybe cause problems with my career, my self-esteem. It would be embarrassing. It would be very public. So there's all kinds of fears, but they typically are going to fall into those physical or mental levels. So if you think about that, my job as a leader and ultimately of myself, most importantly, because I'm the most important person that I lead, I need to make sure that I'm doing everything I can to, to eliminate or reduce that level of fear. So the question is, is, you know, how do you do that? And I, I think back to those times where even as a kid, and we've all been uh, in that, that stage of trying to learn how to ride a bike. Some of us remember it vividly, others don't. But I think most of us probably went through the same experience, right? Where you got on a bike and your parent or guardian or older brother or sister might have been behind you and, and pushing that bike and kind of holding you steady while you're riding it. And uh, you were okay doing that because you didn't have a whole lot of fear because you didn't necessarily know what to be afraid of. Maybe you hadn't fallen down off that bike before. So you didn't really know that it actually hurts when you fall down on that bike. So you didn't really have any fear. Now, the first time maybe you did try to do it on your own, you fell down, that hurt. Now you've got that, that physical pain associated with that activity. That's going to reduce your confidence pretty significantly because you tried to do something, you failed. There was a consequence. It was painful physically. Maybe it was humiliating. You had all kinds of negative stuff. But what did your parents do? Or what did your older brother or sister do? Well, they, they probably got behind you and said, okay, I'm gonna hold on to you, and uh, I'm gonna be with you the whole way, and then you're riding, you're riding, you're riding, and all of a sudden you realize, you know what, nobody's behind me, they're not holding on anymore. Yet you're still going, and you're actually mastering the task, right? So that was an example where your parents or your older brother or sister actually gave you confidence that you necessarily didn't have, and they did it because they provided you a little comfort and a little safety net that may not have actually existed there, and it took that fear away, right? So it allowed you to do something you hadn't done before. And the outcome of that was if you were like me, you're riding the bike for a long period of time. You're like, oh my gosh, I'm, I'm going. This is awesome, right? Now that built my confidence. So look at your parents, your, your older brother or sister in that situation as the leader in that situation, right? They helped you develop a confidence level you didn't have before. So there's all kinds of ways that leaders can almost lend confidence to people, right? Got all different kinds of ways. Uh, I was a uh, guest on a good friend of mine, Kevin Palmieri, and Alan Lazarus's podcast, uh, Hyperconscious Podcast, which is a phenomenal podcast. And they asked me a great question. They said, was there a moment in your leadership or your life where things kind of clicked for you and you said, hey, lead this leadership thing is really, really cool. Was there a, a situation or some kind of person or anything that, that kind of triggered your interest in it? And it was a great question. I had to think for a little bit. And I said, you know, there was, um, and I've told this story before I told it on the podcast. They said, I didn't even know what leadership was, but I remember a situation. I'll tell the story again, where I played baseball and, um, you know, I was 
in baseball, I was the type of hitter that I would swing for the fences every single time I got up to the plate. I thought it was exciting, and I was exciting to watch, but I was not the guy you wanted in a clutch situation. I either hit a home run or I struck out most of the time. I think I led the team in both. So uh, I was not the contact hitter at all. I was not the guy you wanted up at a point where you needed a hit. So, you know, inevitably came that day where we were in some kind of clutch situation. And I remember it was an important game and bases were loaded, two outs, and I came up to the plate. And uh, I remember vividly the expressions of my team teammates' faces when I walked up to home plate and they realized that I was the guy that was in this clutch, clutch moment because their facial expressions told me what I felt inside. And that was that they believed that this was not going to be a very good outcome, right? They believed that I was going to fulfill my destiny of striking out once again, uh, leading the team in strikeouts. And that's honestly all I had in my head. I'm thinking to myself, oh, I, I, my self-talk was, okay, John, uh, don't strike out, don't strike out, don't strike out, don't strike out, don't strike out. I remember saying that. My heart was pounding. And I think my third base coach could sense this because he called timeout. And uh, I walked over to him uh, and it was me and, and him and my shoulders were slumped. I'm sure my body language said everything about, you know, how my, my mind was feeling and thinking. And, uh, my, my player, my teammate on the third base, uh, came up to me in this little group of the three of us. And, and my teammate said, John, just hit the ball. And I'm thinking, okay, great. Wow. Jeez. <laughs> Hello. Okay. Wow. That's all I got to do is hit the ball. All right. Terrific. Um, <laughs> So that didn't really help. But my coach did something that was unbelievable. And it was just without even skipping a beat and just keeping very calm. He said, oh, I know John's going to hit the ball. But John, when you hit the ball, try and hit it to right field so we can get two runners in instead of just one. And that's it. And it was so masterful, so natural, so nonchalant. And, and what that did is I remember that moment and thinking how confident he was in my ability at that moment. And all of a sudden, I started thinking the same thing. I'm like, well, yeah, of course I'm going to hit the ball. Of course I'm going to hit the ball. And I am going to hit it to the right field. Let me try and hit it to the right field. Okay, let me. And all of a sudden, my thoughts started changing. My self-talk totally turned around. My mental state totally changed. And now I stood up to the, to the plate expecting to hit the ball. And sure enough, the next pitch came in. And I hit a home run over the fence. Uh, true story. It was unbelievable moment. And I, I give my coach so much credit for that. Now, I, I never went back to ask him if he really thought I was going to hit the ball or he was just trying to influence me to think that way. My guess is he probably was just trying. He sensed a real low lack of confidence and was trying to change that. And wow, did he do that successfully. And I just remember that that was the moment where I really understood what leadership was, which is changing the course of action, right? It's changing somebody's uh, influence in somebody's behaviors, their mental state, their emotional state, so that there's a different outcome. And that was a great example. So the question I get a lot, can you actually lend it or borrow confidence from other people? Absolutely, you can do that. The same way you can actually take it away. You know, there's, we've all been in situations where, you know, and maybe it was, you know, you might have gone in, unfortunately, to a doctor and maybe you had something that you thought was a small problem and, and, and fixable or some issue and the doctor's expression or personality or tonality or uh, body language just told you that, wow, I'm in trouble or I don't have a whole lot of confidence in this person. 
Um, you know, I was on a flight uh, to North Carolina and this was actually, I remember visiting my, my family in North Carolina. I had booked a flight and, uh, you know, odds are uh, the weather is perfectly great. You know, 99 times out of 100. This happened to be a tornado that was headed for um, North Carolina, right where I was landing. There was just this tornado planned for Friday, the same day that I was going to take off. As the week was approaching, I'm watching and noticing all the flights getting canceled. And I'm thinking to myself, okay. If the plane is going up, I'm going on the plane. I don't care if there's only, you know, the only plane flying. Um, I trust the pilots and, you know, I'm going to fly. I'm going to go if the plane is flying. So sure enough, Friday morning comes. I go to the airport. Uh, My gate is empty. And the flight, though, is still on. I go to the flight attendant and I said to people at the desk, this flight is still on. They said, yeah, we actually have 22 people confirmed. I said, okay, great, terrific. I text my parents and my sister. I said, okay, I'm on my way. Uh, I get on the plane and the plane is empty. There's only four people on the plane. They move us all to the front row and I'm still thinking, okay, I'm nervous now. I even took a picture of, of me on the plane with an empty plane entirely behind me. And I'm thinking, okay, these are professionals. Um, and, uh, and, and I'm in good hands, right? They wouldn't fly the plane if this was too dangerous. Well, the pilot comes out to greet us. Now, what I was hoping for was someone like Sully, uh, who did the masterful job of landing the plane in the Hudson. Uh, you know, somebody that obviously looked like they've been doing this for 30 years. Uh, somebody that uh, I, I would have wanted him or her to come out and say, listen, yes, there's some bad weather. There's a tornado. But rest assured, this plane is perfectly well built to handle a lot of wind. Uh, I am an expert pilot. In fact, I have flown through 15 tornadoes in the past uh, dozen years, uh, all obviously successful. This morning, I just went through the flight simulator, 20 different reiterations of all possible scenarios in the tornado, all of them successful. You're in great hands. This is going to be a short two-hour flight. Sit back, relax. We'll get you some drinks, coffee, whatever you want. Before you know it, we'll land safely in North Carolina. Now, I would have really liked that. And unfortunately, that's not the experience the door opened up and the pilot came out. And honestly, from the moment I saw him, I could tell that he was nervous. I could see fear in his eyes and body language and his shoulders and tonality. And he came out with a totally, a very nervous kind of shaky way about himself. And I'll be honest, if I had a choice at that point and the door was not locked, I would have been out of there, right? I would have gone. I would no way. Now, obviously the flight ended up being successful, but that was an example of how a leader, in that case, that was the pilot, really sucked my confidence out of me, right? So a leader can have a positive or negative effect on your confidence, right? It's all how you project yourself. We follow people that are confident. You know, I've talked before about vision and how important it is for a leader to have great vision and a clear, bold vision. And people want to go someplace that this leader wants to take them. Well, part of that equation is the leader not only has a really clear vision, but they've got a really high level of confidence in their ability to take you there, right? Let's come back to the three questions John Maxwell talks about that every follower is asking about every leader. And that is, do you care about me? Can I trust you? And can you help me, right? Think about that third question. Can you help me? Well, that's going to come down to someone's ability. So your, your perceived ability. And part of that perceived ability to help me is going to be your confidence in being able to help me, right? 
So I'm sitting in front of the doctor and the doctor says they can help me. Well, I'm reading his or her body language and how their, you know, confidence level seems in being in making that statement, right? That's part of me following that leader is my feeling on how, how well they can help me. So how do you build confidence? How do you build confidence in yourself? A lot of different ways you can do it. You know, it comes down and it comes from a lot of different places. Part of it is physical and mental health. We tend to have more confidence when we're in better shape physically. Uh, we have more energy when we're working out, uh, when we're in good health and we're eating well and we're uh, getting good sleep and we're taking time to make sure we're, we're giving uh, our brain time to relax and rest and, and meditate and everything that's going to really clear your brain and allow you to be in a good mental state. That's going to give us great confidence and clarity. The other ways we can build confidence is visualization. Right, I consistently will visualize anytime I do a presentation, uh, a big presentation, I will always visualize the outcome of that presentation. I have a very specific routine I go through, similar to how an athlete will go through that, right? Anytime an athlete's gonna perform at a high level, 99.9% of great athletes are really, really great at visualization because it works. They'll visualize the outcome before it actually comes to that point. And it should, when you do it right, play through almost like a movie. So I love scary movies. And every so often I'll get so ingrained. I, I like to just kind of throw myself into a movie and just really get into it. And every so often, like, you know, I'll watch it with my daughter and my son and you get into it. Sometimes a real scary movie and you, you almost have to remind yourself, okay, wait, this is just a movie. Uh, or, you know, Hey, this is the lead character. This person is not going to die. I know this. All right. Right. This is just an actor. This is not really a real situation. Sometimes I'll actually have to take a step out of it. Right. Um, and it's, it's a movie. It's a script. We know how it ends. Okay. Especially if we've seen it before. Well, if I visualize so well that I know that everything is going to be okay and my, my results are going to be exactly what I'm looking for and I can convince myself of that, then I have the same reaction that I do watching a movie that might be scary. This situation might be scary, but hey, I know it's going to end well. I know I'm going to do a great presentation. I go to the extent of even visualizing what that person or people will say to me afterwards. I've done this all the time. I'll visualize certain people coming up to me afterwards saying, wow, man, that was great. That was awesome. And I will tell you, it's almost scary at sometimes how accurate that visualization is. I've had the same people that I have visualized actually come up to me and say the same things that I actually visualized them saying, which was incredible. So visualization is an incredibly powerful tool to increase your confidence level. One of the other things that's easy to do is if you just think about the task that you're trying to do and you thought about, okay, I've got to get little successes. A little success will build your confidence level, right? So if, 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 I, if somebody told me, and I was watching a video of somebody um, riding a motorcycle going 200 miles an hour. Now, to me, that would be one of the scariest things I could ever imagine. I've actually never been on a motorcycle. Uh, but I started thinking about this and I'm thinking, wow, that, that just is unfathomable how you can get on a motorcycle and go 200 miles an hour. That's just unreal. But my guess is if I, if I got on a motorcycle and I, I figured out how to you know, ride a motorcycle and got comfortable riding at 25 miles an hour. Okay, cool. I can handle that. And now got comfortable at 30 miles an hour. Maybe it would take me a while to get up to 60, 65, 70. But once I'm up at a certain level, I'm probably pretty comfortable with it. 
And then what would happen if I just increased it by one mile per hour, maybe every day, whatever? Eventually, there's not going to be much of a difference day to day. It's just going to feel like, hey, if I'm comfortable at going 75 miles an hour, I can go 76 miles an hour, then 77. And before you know it, at some point, you're riding a motorcycle 200 miles an hour. Does that make sense? So part of this is you've got to realize these small little successes. If you break these big things up into small little chunks and just say, okay, can I get a little bit more comfortable? I may not be ready to present in front of a thousand people. Let me just practice presenting, doing a presentation in front of three people. And now if I'm comfortable with that, let me try and bump that up to four or five. Then let me get it up to 10. And then eventually you keep getting to a point and I will tell you, I haven't spoken in front of thousands of people. There's no difference speaking in front of 50 people as there is 3,000. Um, there's really not a difference. So my guess is the same thing with that motorcycle example. There's probably not much of a difference going from 100 to 200, not as much as going from 0 to 100. So once you reach a point, it's actually easier and easier and easier to keep progressing. So the biggest fear and obstacles we face are those first few steps. Once we get it going, it's a lot easier in our confidence source. So in essence, this is really what we call the, the, the confidence loop, right? So as I get more confident, my competency and, and success increases. I'm now more competent at something that I was not before, which then gives me more courage to try new tasks because I've got more confidence. And that courage pushes me to then try tasks that are outside my comfort zone. And I can then now become competent at these. And then that again, feeds the loop again. It gives me more confidence. It gives me more courage. I try new things. I get more competent. It feeds the courage and the confidence again. So that's how people grow from a certain level to ex extraordinary levels. And all it is when you think about it, it's breaking it down to say, okay, just like the overall premise of personal growth in general, can I get 1% better every single week? And that's it. When I think about that, that's easy. Are we 1% better this week than we were last week? Okay, great. Then I'm moving in the right direction. Leadership is the same way. Helping people increase their confidence level is the same way. It all comes down to these small changes that make huge differences. Thanks for tuning in today. Look forward to seeing you in the next episode of Tomorrow's Leader.